Welcome, everybody, to episode 17 of the WP Mainline Podcast for Saturday, October 30th, 2021. I'm your host, Jeff Chandler, joined by Malcolm Peralti. How are you doing, sir? Doing well, and yourself? I'm uh, I'm doing pretty well. I, I The reason we're, yeah, we're recording on a Saturday. Usually we record on a Friday, but I had an anxiety issue yesterday, and uh, when I have those, sometimes they're bad, sometimes they're manageable, but yesterday it just took me all day to recover, and uh, uh, couldn't quite get back into the groove, kind of a waste of a day. It, it sucks, but uh, I was actually have been doing pretty well, you know, in terms of anxiety, anxiety attacks and stuff like that, so I, I don't know, it just kind of crept up, I don't know where, but I, I took my medicine, and I was a-okay by the time the evening came, so I want to Thank you, Malcolm, for uh, spending some of your Saturday with it. You know, folks out there, they, they say uh, they, they say weekend. You know, there's no such thing as weekends anymore. <laughs> the week is never ending. It never ends. Um, so great to have you here. And uh, we also have a special guest with us that's going to help us dissect the news of the week. Uh, Liam Dempsey, sir. Thank you very much for spending some of your Saturday with us. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks so much for, for the invite and for the opportunity to join you and Malcolm. I'm excited to be here. All right. So uh, let's talk about our first story of the week. And uh, this is uh, referring to animated plugin icons. Now, if that's something that's new to you, uh, you're not the only one. They're new to me. Um, in recent weeks, I've seen people, uh, mostly on Twitter, uh, bring these up about animated icons or how they hate them and they should burn and they're no good <laughs> and we shouldn't have them on uh, Scott Kingsley Clark published a poll on Twitter asking folks, uh, what do they think about uh, more plugin icons becoming animated? And his two uh, poll options were yay animated plugin icons or, or, or to burn them on. Not surprisingly, most people have voted to burn them on. I've never seen, you know, I, I don't really, uh, browse the plugin directory that much unless I'm like looking for <laughs> you know, unless I'm looking for something you know but uh, Scott shared a few examples of uh, uh, of some plugins that are doing this like Give, Give WP is doing it a lot of plugins by WPMU Dev mm-hmm. uh, have plugin animated uh, animated plugin icons and uh, some of them are flashy and others are uh, you know uh, kind of subtle you know, you really got like stare at the icon to, to, to see it. But nevertheless, uh, more and more plugins are taking advantage of uh, being able to uh, to animate their icons. So I, I did some research on this, and it turns out that within the past uh, year or so, on the plugin review and the Meta Slack channels on the WordPress Slack instance, the notion of trying to get uh, animated plugin icons banned from the directory has been a uh, has been brought up a few times, and um, basically what it comes down to is uh, the the team. There were folks suggesting that there be a guideline added to the plug detailed plugin review guidelines that said that would ban uh, animated icons. But the team basically said, you know, as long as the file size is kept down and it's not uh, egregious, that they're going to allow it. Um, but but now it seems that some folks have brought up the accessibility concerns related to animated plugin icons. I think those are legitimate. Uh, like for instance, um, uh, 
in terms of uh, accessibility, uh, one of the guidelines for WCAG 21 says that moving, blinking, and scrolling refers to content in which the visible content conveys a sense of motion. Common examples include motion pictures, synchronized media presentations, animations, real-time games, and scrolling stock tickers. And uh, basically, folks should have the ability to stop or pause them, which uh, you cannot do on the plugin directory. So there's accessibility concerns there. Um, but uh, the reason why they haven't added a guideline is because it's practically unenforceable. It, it, it adds too much work to the plugin review team. There are technical hurdles that have to be overcome in order to detect an animated image. Uh, but there is a ticket on track uh, where they're working on some solutions on how to detect uh, animated images and pre- uh, prevent them from even getting to the plugin directory, which would save the uh, review team a whole lot of trouble ha- you know, to automate this process. And based on everything I've read, uh, plug- animated plugin icons eventually will be banned or blocked or just won't be allowed on the plugin directory. And uh, I, I don't mind that at all. I, I, I kind of cringe thinking about doing a search for plugins and then on the plugin page seeing about you know, I don't know, six, seven, eight different icons, <laughs> dancing, being flashy, doing all these weird things. I'm, I'm more of a, you know, just keep it static, a static image. You don't need to be animated. But I understand why developers would would uh, participate in having an animated icon because it's a point of differentiation or point of difference in terms of all the search results. And if yours is animated, it could stand out. It can garner the eyes of, of a potential user versus one that's static and I don't know, but uh, eventually animated plugin icons is going to be a no-go. What do you think about that, Liam? Well, I'm, I'm with Jeff on uh, it's new to me. The, the WP Mainline article was where I first heard about it, saw it on Twitter and read up on it. And uh, equally blasphemous, I don't surf the plugin library all that often. I tend <gasps> to go for, for what I want uh, or what, recommend in, what, what the recommendations are. For, for this project or that task. Um, and I think Jeff kind of covered it nicely that from a marketing standpoint, the animation makes sense as long as the files aren't huge and the animation is, I don't know what call, you know, what, what their definition of ridiculous or over the top or too much is, but I think yeah. the, the, the real stop, the real no go for me is accessibility. And if we're, as a project, I'd love to see WordPress demonstrate best practices around accessibility. And if that's something that we can do, then I think that's something that we should do. And therefore, then I think the the animation sounds like it has to go. But isn't that kind of like, um, like a, a false argument in a way relating to this? Like, it seems like they're trying to figure out how can we make it so that this whole thing seems a little bit more abhorrent? Um, versus like how do we address like why this is happening and how we can deal with it the idea of it being a technical hurdle to like detect animations and stuff like that that is so outrageous to me and so silly to me like these are some of the best developers in the world and they can't like force people to use a static jpeg and make sure that it's just a jpeg and not a a gif that's been like given a jpeg extension like i don't know i just i look at this and i kind of laugh because it should be a, a a simple matter in my in my opinion and um, leaving it up to the reviewer to determine whether or not an animated GIF is good or bad seems like a really bad idea to me because someone might think it's good and another person thinks it's bad. Like, where do you kind of draw those lines and how do you really define that? 
Um, and then the whole accessibility argument, like I said, it's just, it's kind of silly to me. Like it's, I, I get that they're, they're, you know, we, we want to be more accessible and we want to be more approachable in that respect. But I don't think that that is the argument that should make or break this specific thing. Um, I think that accessibility in terms of, you know, animated content on web pages has come a long way, especially over the last like three to five years. Um, and so if we're going to, you know, go down that direction, that doesn't necessarily ban animations. It just makes it more of a complicated process that only the wealthy plug-in companies can really afford to have someone work on. Um, I think just, just ban it outright, um, block PNGs, block GIFs, make it, make it. So and and, and that's what's going to happen. What, what yeah, and just, it should. And that's should what's going to happen. Because it's uh, just, it's another opportunity for marketing. Or <laughs> exactly. Another opportunity to kind of grab attention. Um, and it's going to make the whole thing look ridiculous. Like the next time you search for a form plugin and everything's moving all over your screen, all <laughs> crazy, like that is not exactly what I want to see when I'm looking at the repository. Exactly. It makes me and cringe. We, we'd make fun of Envato sometimes for like theme force and stuff like that, but they also have a, um, a plugin area as well. And they don't allow animated pictures for their plugin repository. So like if theme, like if Envato doesn't like, why the heck would WordPress? I don't know. It's just silly to me. Well, they are working on the te- technical aspects of it, and uh, what you said, it will be blocked. It will be done, and it will be in a way to where it does not uh, create more of a backlog for the plugin review team, because that's that's uh, that's really what we're aiming here for. And then there's also a, there's also a suggestion here by Alan Fuller about um, maybe. Uh, because developers would use them to stand out in the search list, what if the plugin search algorithm could detect animations and bury animated icons at the bottom? So plugin devs would yeah. quickly revert to static. But then the, that's that, more code that, in that, my opinion. That, that that means that animated icons would be allowed. That like it's a thing, but we don't want it to be a thing. I don't no, want it to be a thing. No. So and I mean, what issue are we truly trying to address here? Like, if we're trying to address the fact that people spending a lot of time and effort creating plugins and themes for WordPress are not feeling that this little icon is giving them the marketing that they need. And maybe <laughs> we should try to figure out that like addressing that specific problem rather than like this amusing, like stupid side quest of like, should we allow animations or not? Like, let's look at the real problem here and try to address that. Uh, speaking of plugins, Josh Pollack, who is the co-founder of Codera. WordPress, which was acquired in 2019 by Saturday Drive, uh, he's announced a new project he's working on called Plugin Machine, uh, and it's aimed at making WordPress plugin developers' lives easier. Um, so what Plugin Machine does, it lays the foundation for developers to add new features to existing plugins. It, uh, it'll help you create new plugins and packaging plugins for release, and there's going to be a web, a- web application that developers can use to create and modify plugins in addition to a command line interface and API. And uh, quote, in talking about the project, Josh says, quote, I am very interested in helping WordPress developers build more stable plugins and helping solve ecosystem level problems. For example, performance issues caused by commercial plugin updates. Developer tooling, like I'm interested in building, aimed at engineers and not site builders, is underinvested in. It's a smaller market. I believe the downstream effects are huge for those who serve site builders and spend too much time on bugs, conflicts, and words that eats up valuable time and resources that could be spent uh, inviting and, and working on your plugin, end quote. 
So uh, a lot of people are excited about it. I've seen uh, the notion on Twitter. He's got a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, a lot of people are chomping at the bit to use this tool and what he's working on. So uh, for, for him to have this kind of uh, excitement before even releasing anything, I think he might be onto something. Seems like it's like an advanced boilerplate in a way, right? Is yeah, that- I mean, it kind of it kind of sounds that way. That's how I read it. And I'm not a de- developer. I'm a designer. So Isn't that great? We have like, like these three non-developers on this call. We, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's try to dissect this development plugin. It looks yeah. cool. It doesn't do anything for me specifically, but I mean, I'm sure there are people that can be excited about this. I'm super excited for it because Josh does amazing work. Uh, you know, setting aside that he's just a really nice guy and he's very community oriented. Uh, Caldera Forms is a plugin filled a niche in, in ways that, at least in my view, other plugins, forms plugins hadn't. And uh, it's just a different take. And it's clear when you open up that plugin that he thinks differently about things than a lot of other, a lot of other folks. So even though it sounds at this stage that the plugin tool that he's making, the machine that he's making is not going to be something that I'm going to buy a license for because uh, it's not really geared for me. It, I'm still excited to see what he brings out because he he makes good products. And if he's to just point, if this many people are really excited about it, clearly there's a void there. There's a need. And I'd love to see what, jo- how Josh approaches it and how he tries to solve that problem. Do you use a boilerplate for your design? Like, do you, if you're like in Figma or whatever, do you pull in like resources that other people have created as kind of the starting point for your design work? That's a good question. And, and I don't have a universal yes or no for that. Um, yeah. You know, See, I've been doing this long enough that I feel like I probably have a template in my mind that just my style, my design, what looks good to me. Right. But no, I don't. I'm not like, oh, yeah, I always use the one, two, three library to get, you know, columns or rows or form layouts or this and that. No, let's get let's get in my DeLorean, go back about six, seven years. I use a theme framework. <laughs> But I mean, like, the reason I bring that up is because I wonder if it's the same thing with developers. Like, while there will be an interest in a boilerplate, how quickly after that do people start going, well, I mean, this is cool, but I have my specific singular needs and kind of have to build from scratch every time anyways, because this lets me do a quick proof of concept. But then whenever I want to do my own thing, I I do it from scratch. Um, And so I wonder if development is similar in that respect, where a lot of developers might find this interesting, but the actual like, um, yeah, at the end of the day, will they actually want to use it uh, and and really kind of be part of this process? I mean, I guess Josh's tool, the plugin machine, has to be better than what the actual developers using for their own boilerplate, right? You know, it's, it, it, it has to make it more convenient yeah. in, in in many ways for them to replace whatever tools or boilerplates they're using now. And uh, can we just give uh, Josh props for calling it plugin machine. Cause that's like, cause that's what it does. It just it helps you create and do all these cool things with plugins. I mean, it's a perfect name. Yeah, finally, great. finally a great name for a great product. So uh, everybody's psyched about that and good luck to Josh. And he's, uh, he's kind of gearing up. He's, he's uh, a few people have been able to beta test it and um, he's getting ready to do a soft launch here in the next few weeks. Well, speaking of, design and developers and whatnot um you published this link here hey eric uh 
Karkovac is getting mentioned on the show yet again, second week in a row. Um, but he uh, published a post on, what was it, Speckyboy? Speckyboy.com, an introduction to the WordPress theme.json file. And this whole theme.json file stuff has been getting a lot of uh, press lately. And uh, I know, Liam, you just recently um, finished up and released a client project. Uh, what's your take on the theme.json file? Yeah, that's, I was, I was looking at, uh, at Eric's post and that's a lot more technical than I get into it. So I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about that. You know, blocks are still complicated to make from my perspective as a mm-hmm. designer. Uh, you know, I can read a little bit of code. I can kind of make some things work, but I am, I, I don't think like a developer. My, my first process is not, let me see if I can write some code. You know, that's probably my approach is more if ultimately it comes to code, let me turn to somebody who knows how to do it. But I like the idea of something that is a bit more portable between different projects or different websites or different systems. That I really like where everything isn't at the block level or in the database. It's a little bit easier to just grab this from one theme and pop it into another, kind of getting back to that boilerplate or that starter theme. So basically what theme.json is, it's a canonical way to define the settings of the block editor. And what it does is it offers theme developers granular control over how various blocks are styled and what options are available to users in the back end. So it allows for like uh, site-wide defaults for styling colors, uh, fonts, even the editor itself, but it also enables developers to go deeper and manage things on a per block basis. So I, I was kind of, I read this article and I was kind of thinking, you know, back in the day, if I saw something I liked on a website, like how something looked, I would just look and use the inspector tool, maybe find the CSS that's related to it and try and pick and choose, copy and paste some of that stuff into my own website, which I don't know, it seemed it seemed like it would work. Usually it doesn't, but it seems like with this uh, kind of, portable new theme.json file technique for, for themes and styling that I'd be able to pick and choose different bits and pieces from within the, within that theme.json file, add it to my own theme.json file for the theme I'm using. And I think it would uh, kind of a little bit like plug and play. It seems like that. It seems like that's going to be possible. Uh, maybe a little bit more. I think there's still some complexity there in terms of like um, how, you know, how blocks work and stuff like that. The article kind of shows um using like the 2019 theme and some like of the default themes what theme.json like quote-unquote options are available um but yeah when i looked at this as someone who's like a tinkerer um i don't consider myself a developer either i i look at this and i'm like ooh, this feels empowering like to the you know the quick ability to like set things as true and false to enable or disable options um that's super helpful to me because some of the sites that i help manage the like publishing staff are not tech savvy at all. And so if I can disable some of these options to make it so that they can't even kind of mess up the look and feel of a site, I mean, that seems like a really good thing. And I kind of goes back to the discussion we've had previously where I like the idea of, you know, making the publishing of content feel very simple for the people that that's all they want to do. Right. So the idea of having blocks that are locked in position where you can change the text and the image, but you can't like, move the block or totally mess it up. The idea that now we can turn off a bunch of these options and make it very simplistic for, you know, a writer or a publisher to be able to interact with these things on your site. 
I just, I love this direction. I love these options that were being given. Well, this, lot, that's, can, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. No, I was just going to say that kind of branches off in a, into a, a broader conversation where I've, I've, um, I've been participating in the Twitter spaces and WordPress hangouts that Brad Williams has been doing on Fridays at 1 p.m. I think it's at 1 p.m. on Fridays. Uh, yep, 1 and there's, a lot, there's a lot of people that hang out there and I was listening to a lot of um, agency type people describe, you know, how they build sites for clients. And I asked the question, I said, you know, basically what you're telling me is, you know, why don't you just either create your own CMS or you're, you're practically stripping WordPress down to the bare bones. I mean, why not just create your own CMS? And they said, no, I mean, WordPress has all of these things and it wouldn't, doesn't make sense to recreate all of that work that's available. But but by and large, it seems like for all these various client projects, the it, it's always about slumming down WordPress to the bare nitty gritty and give the client only what they need to get the job done. That's kind of that's, that's kind of what you were describing there, Malcolm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I'm really excited by that because you know, just because we can make everything purple on a website doesn't mean we should. <laughs> and and. One of the great things about the block editor is people can do whatever they want, but that's also a real danger from a design consistency or, you know, presentational consistency. And so if you've got four or five different people and somebody always makes a heading purple and somebody else makes it orange, there's, you know, there's, there's some problems with that and locking that down uh, helps visual presentation consistency, among other things. So I, I like that idea. And that it's going to be a simple, editable file. It's pretty exciting to me. Have you had to deal with that much in your career, Liam, where uh, you hand over a project and it's beautiful and perfect and it's your little baby and you're happy with it and go fly, little birdie. And then like, you know, six months later, you look at it again and they- There's no way I designed posts. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Question, Malcolm. <laughs> Yeah, of course, of course. Um, and you know, the, one of the one of the things that that the block editor gets built at is that anybody can build these things and anybody can design these things. And I think that's something that really gets left out of the equation a lot in talking about the block editor is that yes, you know, with a little bit of guidance and some self training, everybody anybody can do a page layout. You can make a three column layout. You can make a. Uh, you can use the tools that WordPress now has within them to, to make websites, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be well-designed. It doesn't mean that the fonts are going to be consistent. It doesn't mean that the colors are going to work within the brand in that way. And since we're on the conversation today, I'll just share that as, as something that I think gets left out a lot that, mm -hmm. that just because we can, doesn't mean we should, right? I mean, technically in WordPress, we could go into the theme editor and edit our themes directly there. We shouldn't. And there's a notice there. If you go in there, WordPress has a notice that says, don't do this. You really don't want to do this. Only do this if you know what you're doing. Yeah. Well, and, and speaking of that, uh, what was one of the things that in your experience when you, because you just recently built a, uh, a client site using the block editor. I think you used all core blocks. And one of the things you had mentioned was uh, you, you'd like to see more abilities, more like, I guess, what was it, filters and hooks to be able to lock things down more? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. it it's, again, I have filters and hooks, uh, you know, I know what those phrases mean in a WordPress sense, but I don't know actually how to use them. You know, I'm looking <laughs> for the plugin that has the options that I need. And, and maybe this theme JSON's going there. I think, 
Uh, and one of the times I spoke about that project, Jeff, uh, Rich Tabor was on the call and talked about theme. Uh, very theme smart Jason. individual. Yeah. And if there's really, anyone who knows about theme that Jason, it's him. Yeah, he's dialed into it. So I, I think that's what we're looking for. And it's it's really to enable clients to keep and maintain what they've paid for. They've paid for design. They've paid for good construction. And we want to help them keep that in the same way that, you know, I don't log into my accountant's QuickBooks installation and help update my bookkeeping there, right? That just doesn't make any sense. Let the accountant keep that. I don't, I don't log on to my lawyer's uh, server and update the contract that I've asked her to update for me. Um, and and that's kind of the same thing. Headings. Right. I put all my contract in purple. Uh, so, so I think it's, it, it's really about getting the tool to the point where we can hand it off to businesses that might not be in their site every day. They might not have a marketing team. They might not have a content team. So they're in there once a month, two times a quarter, and they want to find the right place to update the copy and not accidentally mess the design up. And, and you know, in the old days, that was a custom field with advanced fields, right? Uh, custom theme, I'm sorry, with advanced fields, advanced custom fields. Boy, my tongue is tripping left, right, and center. Sorry, guys. Uh, well, Malcolm, I've uh, I've been coming to a realization lately. Do you want to know what it is? Of course. Um, that when I'm in the WordPress backend, in the post editor, I'm not really writing anymore. I'm building. Yeah. I'm not writing posts. I'm building posts with these blocks, and I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I. But you know, I'm I'm trying to get to grips with the fact that. Um. You know, I'm trying to. I, I'm trying to write. You know, the, the conversation has been taking place now within the past few weeks. In fact, I think we've talked about it now twice on the previous two episodes about the writing experience in WordPress, and it's trying to. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's really bothering me. Like like a lot of folks are telling me to use Classic Press or use the Classic Editor, and it's like I don't I don't want to do that. I want to just have this this native. I want the native experience of writing content to work you know i'm me i don't use columns i don't use this i don't use that i use uh, quotes maybe some images some paragraphs that's about all i need and it still feels like a pain because i'm not i'm i gotta manage all these little things and blocks and content areas and it's just uh i don't know it's driving me nuts that but you know i'm realizing now that this is the this is the future this is the way it's going to be i'm just going to have to uh, deal with it with the blocks where i'm not I don't write anymore. I build. So that's my realization. My little rant. <laughs> uh, so speaking of plugins, if you haven't updated, if you're on Optin Monster and you haven't updated to the latest version, you uh, you better do that. You should put that on your priority list. Uh, WordFence published details of several security vulnerabilities they discovered in the Optin Monster plugin back on September 28th, 2021. Um, according to the report, Optin Monster released a patch the following day. However, there was additional work that needed that needed to be done on that patch, and the fully patched version was released on October seventh as two point six point five. And at the time I uh, wrote up the article, the most recent version was two point six point six. Now, the majority of the problem was at the REST API endpoints that were implemented 
uh, they were they were done so insecurely, which made it possible for unauthenticated users to access them. In fact, one of the endpoints disclosed sensitive data such as the full site path on the server and API keys needed to make requests to the Optin Monster website. And with that API key, um, an attacker can actually make changes to any campaign associated with the site. Uh, a site connected sites connected to Optin Monster account and add malicious JavaScript that would execute any time a campaign was displayed on the exploited site. Uh, very bad, bad stuff. Bad way of implementing the REST API endpoints. However, they've patched it up. It should be A-OK now. So make sure that you're running Optin Monster 2.6.5 or above to uh, protect yourself from those vulnerabilities. One of the issues that I have with these kinds of things, um, so I'm dealing a lot with the client-facing side of WordPress these days, and I still receive a lot of anxiety about updating key feature plugins in WordPress, right? What if Optin Monster, if I update it to the latest version, it breaks? And I have to like walk them through the fact that, well, if you don't update it, like this is a security vulnerability and it could be really bad for you. And so it's sad that I have to help them weigh the pros and cons of that still to this day um, to determine whether or not it's, it's worth updating. And uh, yeah, I don't know if either of you have ever had that experience before, but it's, you know, either on like convincing someone else or, you know, needing to kind of mentally convince yourself like, okay, I'm going to update this plugin and it's a key feature or function of my website. And hopefully it still works after I do this. I don't know. I checked my email and it says some plugins have been updated automatically. Gravity Forms is now running, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, sweet. <laughs> then I go on to the website just to make sure it's not white screened. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, but like if your if your payment solution for advertising died tomorrow because you updated it, I mean, now you got to choose like, do you revert? Do you like work with the developer to try to figure out why your specific instance isn't working? Did you you know, like all of those things kind of always come to light every time this happens. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's, I, I had hoped at this point in WordPress's development, it wouldn't have been a conversation anymore. There's a lot of things built in to try to help that, but I mean, it doesn't automatically do like regression testing to make sure all the functionality still works um, because it can't. And right. it's, it's kind of a difficult thing to deal with. So, so if you're working on a client site and you're, you're, you're working with them or you're walking them through the upgrade process. Do you first back up their site? Do you tell them to back up their site first before upgrading anything at all? Sure. I mean, when I pass off a site, I always give them the whole rigmarole of like how to do it properly and stuff like that. If we're not, I just click the button and say to hell with it. Let's go. Let's see what happens. Of course you do. Do live. Everything <laughs> yeah. live for Jeff. Why not? Now, now, now. That's right. That's right. Because if it breaks, when the site comes back, I got something to write about. Oh my goodness. Oh, you're going to give me a like anxiety attack here. Okay. So no, I, I don't let my clients that. do that. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> uh, I do not let my clients do that, but it's, it, it's still a point of frustration, especially when it's a central business function of the website. I think that, you know, one of the things I deal with sometimes is if they're not my client, like actively my client anymore, um, and they click update on a plugin that's a central feature of their thing and it breaks, I mean, they look at me going, they look at WordPress going like, why does WordPress suck? And then they look at me going like, why did you, why do you suck for making us use this tool as a central feature for our website? Um, and so I think like we just, more needs to happen with making sure that these upgrades, especially security upgrades uh, on the balance, you know, make sense and don't come with any kind of game breaking changes. And uh, 
I think that's always going to be a struggle, but I just think it's kind of worth pointing out as, as you know, probably like a million people go to update opt-in monster. Yeah. Long I, time. I, it's been a long time since I've upgraded anything on the website and uh, it just burns. It comes back as a white screen. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I think a, a big part of our job in, in coordinating and working with and in guiding clients is really to educate them and to speak in ways that relate to what they're used to day to day. And, you know, it makes perfect sense for us that when we update a single plugin, you know, made by a company, even like Optin Monster, solid company, great code, but, you know, they're making it for how many millions of sites and they can't possibly test on every unique configuration. <laughs> And even if we're using a good host and a reputable provider and we've got other quality plugins on there and a quality theme, things can still break, right? I mean, their code is written by humans and it runs on machines made by humans. Inevitably, things can break. And I, I find that if over time, if we can teach our clients to understand that things break, you know, even their car breaks or computers break, they make mistakes as lawyers or as accountants or as plumbers or whatever there is. And... We just can't control everything. And so it's we try to put as much in place as we can, like quality hosting, regular backups, backup before you update things, all the kind of best practices that we hear so much about in the WordPress community. Those have come a long way. I mean, if they you have. thought about updating websites 10 years ago, it's, it's, I mean, now it's a click of a button, but you used to have to, you know, do all this stuff by hand and drag things and SFTP and, you know, all the other things that, 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 used to be much more laborious but now companies have have made that so much easier um and i, I wonder if it's almost like like you know if, if it would be great to get some kind of stat like you know like an opt-in monster opt-in monster updated and of the four million <laughs> installs 17 broke the site or something like that so like statistically <laughs> it's just it's just not really a concern uh day right. to day i mean it's yes it's a real problem and for the 17 people who site hit the white screen of death it's a huge problem but that doesn't mean that we should stop updating plugins because statistically it's it's not a, a real well, concern no one's been educating me because i still use password as my password on the site so oh my goodness <laughs> you're killing me <laughs> uh so let's see here um, by the way, uh, GoDaddy's been, if, uh, if anybody has been looking for, um, like webinars to, to, to educate yourself on how to create a block in WordPress or, or what's going on with Gutenberg or even full site editing, if you go to, I think it's events.godaddy.com or, uh, GoDaddy Pro, I have a link or URL in the show notes, but they, they've been doing a great job lately with a bunch of webinars. Uh, Alex has been a great series on how to build a block and how to manipulate it and uh, assign colors and things like that to it. So definitely check that out. And uh, by the way, speaking of GoDaddy, uh, if you're looking to increase your productivity, one tool that helps thousands, maybe even millions of web developers and designers do every day is GoDaddy Pro. And what GoDaddy Pro does, it combines site, client, and project management all under one roof. So uh, whether you're new to web design or looking to grow your business, you'll find free tools, products, guidance, and support to help you deliver results for your clients. Uh, so you can manage clients. You can do all that stuff real easy, real convenient, all from a single place. And who, uh, if, if you manage a multiple clients, 
you know, it's got to be real nice. Now you don't have to worry about keeping everything in a Excel spreadsheet or anything of that nature. You can have everything right there in one place. So for more information, check it out at godaddy.com forward slash pro. And thank you very much, folks, for helping me pay the bills. I caught Alex's uh, webinar on, what was it, Thursday afternoon, Friday did, afternoon? Did you see that? It was, it was part three. Was it part three? I think it was yeah. part three on how to build a block. And I've I've never met him before. I've never seen a webinar with him. I've never watched a WordPress TV video. And I was only about two-thirds paying attention to it because I was trying to get a couple other things done. But my gosh, he's a fantastic presenter. His His tone, his approach, his process of walking through it uh i was i was really impressed i i made a mental note to have to come back and actually give it the full attention because i was i was really impressed by his teaching style yeah i agree i, I watched about half of it and uh, I, i'll agree his, his teaching style was on point and uh i was actually like understanding kind of <laughs> what the heck was going on so <laughs> wait does that mean jeff's gonna make a block no, no yeah I'm, I'm sick of blocks Jeff's going to make one. Uh, I'm, I'm blocking the myself. Block. Yeah. He's going to make it live on his production site. Yeah, of course he will. Yes. Yes. I will. <laughs> yeah. uh, so how about this? The first WordPress, maybe the first WordPress agency to accept cryptocurrency payments. Uh, you link to this. Uh, Malcolm, what do you think about this? I thought it was interesting that Web Dev Studios recently completed a project that they were compensated for in Ethereum. I thought that was super interesting. Um, I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, the founders, like the executive team in that company, are very progressive, um, very interested in what's happening with, you know, uh, NFTs and uh, cryptocurrencies and you know blockchain and all those kinds of technologies and how it could potentially, you know. Um, work its way into kind of WordPress and publishing and things like that. Um, the the fact that it was, you know, potentially, uh, you know, multiple thousands of dollars for for taking payments in Ethereum. Like, I just, I don't know, something tickled me about that. And when uh, we see other agencies do these kinds of transactions. I, mean, I thought it was interesting that when they sold the project for one F, one F was worth $3,800, but now it's worth Four thousand four hundred forty-seven dollars. So they they made bank on on that. What it is? It's an investment. Uh, it, well, I mean, inv- I mean, it could have went the other way. So so it could have the pay yeah. that they received a payment of thirty-eight hundred dollars with one F, but that thirty-eight hundred dollars turned into four thousand four hundred forty-seven dollars without having to do anything <laughs> related to the project. The project was already sold, already done. But you yeah. know, it, it could have went the other way too, where F would have dropped in value then. You know, you know, bonus to I guess the uh, the client or what have you. But so I mean, they explain that uh, they're willing to accept the risk involved with with F, and that uh, if anybody else who's going to get involved and accept cryptocurrency should also know and respect the risk involved. And that's just it, isn't it? Like, is it worth taking on that risk? I mean, if it's the difference between getting the client and not getting the client, maybe. But outside of that, I don't know that I would take on that bet. Um, I'm, you know, I am invested in cryptocurrencies, but I'm not like one of those bullish to the moon, going to make me a million dollars kind of people about cryptocurrencies. So I, I don't know that I would take the risk. That how, the, how much How much are you going to charge me in Dogecoin? <laughs> yeah, Shiba, exactly. Shiba Uno coin or whatever. I don't know. 
Yeah. And I mean, we've seen periods of time where the, it has gone up or down by as much as like 30% over the course of a week. Um, you know, in, in terms of major coins, uh, Decentraland, which is uh, the coin name uh, for mana, M-A-N-A, um, you know, recently over the last week has gone up 221%, right? So if you had put in $1,000 in that, you would have, you know, a $2,000 worth of that coin today in US dollars. So you you have no idea, like, and that's over a week. So you have no idea what these cryptocurrencies are going to do. Um, you might think you do, but you don't. Uh, and uh, I think it's, it's, interesting and it's fun and it's a gamble and i mean i a lot of people can't help but gamble um i guess you know the the risk was probably fairly low when you're looking at something like you know um bitcoin or ethereum or some of those other main coins but i don't know i thought it was kind of neat but also i i I don't know that i would take that bet what about you liam would you get paid in a cryptocurrency Currently, no, because I know almost nothing about it, you know, beyond Twitter scrolling. Um, You know, I understand the concept, but in terms of of, of how to actually trade it, no, I I wouldn't. But like you, I'm really interested in it. And I'd be interested in knowing the size of the project that uh, WebDev Mm -hmm. took on, because I could see, you know, if it's 10,000. And, and, and I'm not saying it was, and I don't, you know, like Brad and I are good friends and, but, you know, I don't ask him about his numbers. So I know nothing about project sizes that they handle. I know they do very big, but I also know they do some smaller ones uh, that I could see if it was 10,000, I could see like, you know, even my business, yeah, I'll take it in that. It might be a complete wash. I might not get nothing, but for 10,000, I really get to learn about, get the inside scoop. I get, you know, if I was progressed to the point where Brad is in his knowledge, I think it's a really interesting way to see how that might work. Right. You know, if we think about, well, I don't really do this kind of, I don't know, web design. I don't really build in that system, but let me, let me take that on as a, I want to get into it. I want to learn. I want to know more. So I'll take more risk knowing that, you know, I might walk away with nothing or, you know, the number of hours that I put into it uh, don't, don't come back to me, but, but I like it. And, and I would be, you know, interested to know, like, how did, how does that work into like bookkeeping and accounting, yeah. right? You know, we made <laughs> taxes thousands and, and 2.5 F like, well, what, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm so bad at bookkeeping and accounting as it is, but I, I was interested to see that. And I expect that if it worked out for them, that it could be the kind of thing that, I don't know, some Silicon Valley Backed VC might be inclined to to come and look for them because they know that the leaders of that company are open and understand it and want to engage with it, and therefore there might be other work there as well. So not just yeah, yeah. taking it from a kind of novelty money standpoint. I don't mean novelty in a in a silly way, but you know in a cutting edge way. But also like this could be a differentiator that we're one of the leading agencies that knows how to build with the biggest or most well-known, most popular content management systems, and we understand NFT. Or cryptocurrencies or whatever. Yeah. So Jeff, yeah. how long how long until WP Mainline allows donations in uh, you know, Dogecoin or Shiba Inu or you know, Bitcoin or well, I mean, I do have a MetaMask wallet set up. So I do, do. I, I do have an NFT, a Wapu NFT. So you so gotta I... put your wallet address on your site so everyone can donate uh, you know, the like you know, a, you know, a singular Shiba Inu, which would be worth like 0.0006 or 07. But at least cents. I own it. Yeah, you'd own it. Supposedly, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, by, and by the way, speaking about all this crypto coin and all this stuff, 
you know, I went to a place last night where it said cash only. Their systems are down. I said, what the hell is cash? So I had to go run over to Discount Joy Mart, go to the ATM. And in my wallet right now, for the first time in like two years, there's cash in my wallet. And it's weird. I don't know. I thought I'd share that story. Funnily enough, like to kind of go on top of that, um, I went to the Philippines over a year ago and the only cash in my wallet is money from the Philippines. And I like, I never converted it back. And so now I just have this Filipino money in my wallet. I don't have any like local Canadian cash or anything like that. It's just a couple of bills of Filipino money, probably worth like the equivalent of like five bucks American or whatever, but yeah. That's just kind of funny. The only no, wait, man, have you is... tried to buy anything? Like, do you just whip it out on the counter and say, you know, <laughs> you try and buy something and they just look at you going, what is that? Yeah, no, I haven't done that yet, but I probably should. It'd be funny. But one of the pieces of advice that, and this was an interview that uh, Matt Medeiros of WP Minute did with Lisa Sabin Wilson. And I think this was good advice. She says, make it easier on yourself and deal with what you know to be true at the time of the agreement or transaction. If F is worth 4,000 USD today, then use that as your metric for pricing. Don't try to speculate on its worth tomorrow or next week. Crypto carries with it a certain amount of risk. So come to terms with that first and then work with what you know to be true in the moment. And I thought that was good advice. Yeah. Uh, well, once you start speculating or start thinking about it going up or down and, and having that kind of speculation involved with the, the pricing of the project, I think it could get real muddy real fast. <laughs> So you just you just you just pick a point in time and just go with it. I agree. Let the chips fall where they may. Uh, so let's see. That's about it for stories of the week. Is there anything else? Really well, of, I mean, uh... I mean the the big thing in my opinion is oh here we if go. If you're listening to this podcast, ah, yes, and you're not supporting WP Mainline. Jeff has created a whole bunch of ways to do it. And, and we will get him to put his MetaMask wallet address out there. So you can start sending him money <laughs> on that way too. But um, if you haven't seen the really cool advertising, like the custom box car things, you definitely got to go check out WPMainline.com and see those advertisements. He also has a system where you can become a member of the website. And basically that supports this podcast, other content creation, other things that we will eventually get Jeff to do, maybe including even making his own block. Um, so go ahead and check out oh, WP Mainline man. and check out all the different advertising and sponsorship options that are available today. Uh, my own block. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, Is you it know, a sponsorship kind of, where Jeff will build you a block. It's kind of funny. It, it, in between where the signals are on, on the train on uh, the railroad, uh, the different sections are called blocks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Just, I can't get away with it, even if I tried. Even my my passion for trains, blocks. Got to deal with blocks and trains. When's the new boxcar coming out, by the way? Uh, If there's no delay and he launches on Monday, then uh, everyone will see the Do the Woo fresh rebranded boxcar on Monday. Perfect. Bob WP. And uh, yeah. I would, I, would, I, would, I would very much like anybody out there, if you've got a plugin, if you've got a service, if you've got an agency, I mean, don't rely on me. Get rid of me. Bypass the middleman, a.k.a. me. You, uh, just buy the boxcar. You get something really cool made. You can keep it. You can share it. It'll be on the website. It'll advertise a point of link to whatever it is you want to advertise. Then you don't have to worry about me and hope that I write about your plug-in product or service could be bad review could be good review but now you just pay me 500 bucks you get something nice and cool on a reputable wordpress site and then that's it easy peasy easy marketing very sound investment (laughs) 
Let me tell you. I mean, yes, of course. Sound. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very, very much sound. Uh, so um, that's going to do it for this episode of uh, WP Mainline Podcast, the Saturday edition. You can find show notes for this episode and all other episodes on WPMainline.com. Just click the podcast link. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jeffro, J-E-F-F-R-0, where you can see me rant and rave about how I hate writing in WordPress. Because <laughs> I'm building. I'm not writing anymore. It's sad. And Malcolm, where can we find you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you can find me at uh, Find Purpose on Twitter. And always you can reach out to me through Camber Creative. Um, where I'm a product owner and press Titan, where I am the co-founder. And Liam, you, thank Liam? you very much for being a part of uh, being a part of this crew and uh, tell us a little bit about you and where could people follow you? Yeah, no, thanks for the invite to be here. And and I'm going to take just a moment, Jeff, to thank you. You know, you started the show by talking about some of the, the challenges you're facing in your own life around anxiety. And, and that's not easy to to face. And it's certainly I would expect not easy to talk about. So thank you that you are talking about that. Uh, that helps normalize the challenges that others face. And I'm very grateful to you for, for doing that. And I'll even go so far as to say, I'll invite you to think about how you said Friday was kind of a wasted day, but maybe it was a day that was well spent in that you were taking care of yourself. It was not how you intended to spend it. You did not get through your to-do list, but had you tried to get through your to-do list, you might not be in a position to record and get this done today. So thank you very much for, for your putting yourself out there in such a public way. I really appreciate that. You're Enjoy. welcome. And if you're looking for me online, you can find me at Liam Dempsey on Twitter liamdempsey.com and i work with uh my own business called lb design and we're on a few different outlets and uh wow that sounds really rough clearly i'm i'm getting friday after saturday <laughs> afternoon brain and lbdesign.tv like television nice okie dokie so that's gonna do it for this episode and uh i don't know based on some of the things i was talking about earlier uh malcolm may be taking some anxiety meds i don't know we'll see keep you updated mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. we'll talk to you again at next friday afternoon so long everybody <laughs>